Today, our guest is um, a pretty awesome, inspiring person, and um, we know she's going to do some pretty cool things, not just with what her role is, but in her life, and she'll tell us about that in a bit. Um, welcome to our podcast, Melissa. Awesome. Malolele. Uh, kia ora tata katoa. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa, for giving us your time for today. Melissa, to get started, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, who is Melissa and what is she doing at the moment in her world? And then we'll get into your, your story. Cool, cool. So um, who's Melissa Lama? I often ask myself this actually quite often. But um, so I'm, I'm a proud mother of, of two boys, ages um, nine and seven, um, born in, in Auckland, raised in Christchurch, um, but have been living in Dunedin for the last four years. Uh, since all the study, uh, I am an you know, only daughter in a house full of boys. Um, oh, wow. And then now with our, me and my brothers having children, we now only have one girl and nine boys. So oh, wow. it's a very uh, male dominant um, family, which can kind of explain a bit of my attitude um, with my ruthlessness sometimes, which mum said is not the best, but um, no, I, I love it. And um, if anything, uh, I'd say community, culture, um, and is, is the biggest drivers behind my purpose for sure um yeah so that's that's me yeah. that's awesome that's that's you in a nutshell right the community and culture how awesome and living with all those all those male figures it must be interesting yeah. but i'm sure it doesn't intimidate you at all i mean hey you got, you got to be ruthless right yeah no these boys are uh, actually i'm probably the one that's really in their face so they're they're quite oh. quiet the opposite of me oh, quiet <laughs> yeah I'm the the really loud one. <laughs> oh, poor poor brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> awesome. Um, so this is where you are. Let's talk about where, where you started from. And you know, in our podcast, we like to talk about people's journeys. And you know, um, I had a little brief read of the stuff you sent me, which is fantastic. And if we take it back to where you started from, so let's talk about you at high school. Mm. And you know, yeah, how's how was your final year of high school? What what is that like for you? Wow. Um, so I was started at a school here in Christchurch, just down the road called Kashmir High. Yep. Um, went there for the first four years, uh, four and a bit years. And then I got a scholarship, actually four years. Then I got a scholarship over to St. Margaret's College, awesome. uh, which is an awful female school for sports. So believe it or not, my life was um, pursued by sport, traveled country, traveled overseas. Yeah. Um, What's all yeah so athletics uh volleyball netball um and basketball so oh, it wow. was tough trying to balance all four did a little bit of rowing for a while for a bit yeah. and um it just really put myself out there um oh, so wow. i went to in, in the process of high school but uh unfortunately being uh athletically talented didn't necessarily mean that i was really good in classrooms uh so i struggled a lot with learning yeah. um part of that was my own insecurities around not being intelligent enough and people celebrated me for my loud uh, cheerful and um, somewhat sports talents yeah. um, but behind all that I was actually struggling I completely did not enjoy going to class um, and if I had an event that meant I missed school it was like the best day ever um, yeah that's pretty sure that you that you said that because you know a lot of people think that when you are successful and you seem confident outwardly actually internally there's a whole different battle going on yeah, and I'm still the same today. Um, yeah. Even though I'm finishing off my masters and, and looking at a PhD, I'm I still get very insecure about what people think about my academic work. So yeah. everything I submit takes ages because I constantly go back and check 
yeah. and I have to get validation of people. It's really, it's crazy. You wouldn't think I was like that, but I am. It's it's my um, internal battle that I still I still quite go through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's 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 always um. There's what there's two things here. It's one to be aware of it, and two to actually acknowledge it out there because mm. I think a lot a lot of people are not aware of it, or they hide it, and if when they become aware, they don't acknowledge it. They just they just use the confidence side to go, hey. I'm still a good athlete. So I don't have to worry about that. Whereas you go, actually, wait a minute. If I, if I address it, then I become a better person for yourself. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, leaving high school, stay till year thirteen. But unfortunately, yep. left with uh, NCA level one. Yeah. Um, in year thirteen, and um, high school is interesting for me because the following year, in January, I got married. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So I was only um, seventeen. Yeah. Got married um, to a really lovely. Uh, quiet Maori um, Scottish Muslim man oh, yeah. um, uh, who is the father of my two boys and, and fantastic yeah. what, what, what a clash of cultures there so you have your Pacific oh. culture then you have a Maori culture plus plus Islam I mean how is that that, yeah. that would have been he a was, pretty he's adopted by uh, Samoan so he's oh, wow. quite immersed in um, Samoan as well which is yeah. a whole new <laughs> new layer of culture but that, that's amazing that, yeah. that's both amazing also quite frightening in, in terms of the world we live in you know where um where a clash of all those cultures becomes oh what's going on in terms of some people's eyes yeah yeah no um it's been a um a good learning experience for myself but also everybody else in my village and those around me because yeah. um we all have to chip in with this whole diversity and inclusion journey uh, which is still something we're all going through now I have yeah. a very uh, conservative Christian family yeah. um, and then I have two uh, Tongan Maori Scottish children who are Muslim yeah. so um, I think you can imagine what it's like on on Christmas and Sundays um, yeah. <laughs> but we we work through it it's an, as uncomfortable as it is guys like it's uncomfortable I just go through it yeah, yeah and, and, that's, and that's the world you live in right that's your world you, you're acknowledging you're like oh, this is my world and this is what we've got to, got to address yeah so you you met this you've married this this wonderful young person this well, yeah. i'm gonna say young because you're young at that time there you know you're, yeah, young, well, you're, you're still young good. you're still young what are you talking about um yeah so you're obviously you that that changed your world trajectory a little bit so you were this oh. amazing athlete got married then what happened for you in your world oh man so um got married it was uh just about me now growing up right so leaving yeah. my mom's my mom's care with my brothers and and moving in with him and um it was uh at that time i thought oh i've got this yeah. and i'm sorry i'm laughing because i'm like man I, I thought at that point that i had it all sorted you know and i was gonna be fine um you know i'm 17 but like i'm mature and so what that meant was um i had to grow up real quick and a year later i had my oldest son amoni who is okay. nine turning 10. yeah so um we've been married for what uh, just under 11 years oh well yeah to, yeah, 28 at the moment um and my whole life changed in the sense that um i had to think for myself um, and my whole um, role in the family as the only female sister and stuff sort of changed a bit yeah. uh, because what i should have done was stay home for my mum uh, but instead i decided to, to to grow up real quick and so uh, they also mean i missed 21st birthdays traditional 21st birthday is a huge in tongan culture yeah. um I married outside of the religion that we grew up in, outside of the the, the race that I'm supposed to be uh, married into. And so I did all the things that uh, my parents didn't want for me to do. Um, yeah. They had dreams and hopes I was going to go far in sport. Um, and then, uh, you know, that didn't quite happen. So yeah. at the time I thought it's all about me, uh, but I think what I didn't realize was the consequences of, of not doing the things I was sort of 
uh, hyped up and encouraged to do growing up. So realizing that now my my um, journey from 18 years forward was going to be young mum, um, yeah. doesn't even have UE entrance. I didn't actually know what I was doing. It was a bit of a downhill spiral for a yeah. wee while there. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the growth happened and then trying to grow up as a teenager while being married with a kid. Yeah. Don't recommend it, guys. <laughs> Oh man. Um, but yeah, that, that was sort of for me for a while. I uh, had quite bad uh, postnatal depression, yeah. which eventually uh, led to uh, quite, you know, depression where I was medicated for a few years, yeah. um, went in and out of hospital. So it was, it was a, it was a journey from, from 18 onwards. Um, and yeah. part of that was just, I think, uh, me not accepting the decisions I made like I didn't yeah. back myself up I kind of yeah. was made this decision to to get married and be a mum and then um sort of look for everyone for validation and hearing community members talk about me like uh, they'll come to me and be like your life's over like you're selfish what you did to your mum and yeah. she worked so hard to pay your trips it was it was constantly in my face and I thought you deserved that you know so I let that yeah. I let that bother me um and so it was kind of just all the external stuff when I should have just been strong within myself. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard, you know, you're 17 or 18 and it's very hard to, to, to see that, you know, like oh, you said, totally. you know, at that, that age. And, you know, I remember myself when you're 17 or 18, you're worried about what other people think. And even though you're bulletproof, even though you're bulletproof with, with what the way you think about, you go, actually, wait a minute, they're saying things about this, about me, and it affects you. And, you know, I was going to ask you about your mental health because that would have taken a huge toll in, in, yeah. in your world, not just because of the world you're living in, but because of all the other stuff around you. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't even know it was post-cell depression. It wasn't until um, one day it was raining and I kind of like was crying, crying on the street of a, of a place that we were living at yeah. uh, up the east side of Christchurch. And this lady was walking with her dog and she was like, she said, sweetie, are you not cold? And I didn't realize it was raining and I was cold. Um, yeah. She said, why are you crying? And I said, oh, this, this baby's like too much for me. And then I sort of just, she didn't even ask about that part, but I told her about everything. Um, she said, have you ever considered uh, post-cell depression? And I was like, what, what's that? And so from that moment, I, re- I went back and decided to come and see a GP, which is really bad because friends did tell me, but it took a random lady walking a dog in the rain to be like, I think you've got post-cell depression, you know, which I don't recommend that we go around diagnosing people. <laughs> but for that, for, the, for her to do that for me, definitely opened my eyes to what could have been going on for me. Um, it was a lot of a lot of tears, uh, a lot of trying to also educate my family at the same time, and also a lot of masking. Yeah. So as much as I was trying to educate them about why I was on meds or why I was unwell, I was also trying to mask the fact that I wasn't well. So yeah. constantly putting myself in this um, the state of of working hard, you know, to try and get people to think I'm all good. Um, yeah. yeah, and it just yeah. sort of spiral it keeps spiraling and i was like why are things not getting better yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's crazy you know that the that the words of a stranger sometimes has the most effect on on you versus yeah. versus people that are close to you you know um i'm sure both time and myself could think about random strangers would have said something to us that someone would have told us a million times but we don't listen to them but a stranger goes no no you're like oh that makes sense and yeah. it's it's so crazy and it's it's actually probably the best thing that happened to you while you were crying yeah. in the cold day. Oh. yeah Totally. And I'm usually scared of dogs. So the fact that I didn't run away from her was a good sign that it was meant to be. Um, yeah. yeah. So I've so, learned a lot. I still, I still um, 
go through uh, quite bad anxiety today and depression. In fact, my last one was during the NBA um, last year, near the end of the year, because yeah. we present all the time and it's quite competitive. Yeah. Um, and it was a case study when I had a company from South Africa and I just was near the end of my presentation and I was happy about it, but then I felt this massive um, concern about what they were thinking. So I was trying to present, but also looking at everyone's face on Zoom. Yeah. I had to like switch it off and um, my the rest of my team carried on and I, I've never like, oh, I got up and I ran around like just to try and calm down because when I get like that, it's it's hard. You can tell something's not yeah. right. Yeah, especially when I go from smiling and laughing to like, what's what's going on? So, um, anxiety is still a huge one for me, but um, the depression stuff has been a, a lot more easy because I just speak when I'm yeah, I'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, which which is which I think is is good for listeners to hear about that. You know that it does happen. It's not just gets better overnight. It's something that 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 you go through and you work through. And speaking is the best thing to help. Yeah, totally. And and I, it's a good thing I do is I tell people like, oh, I don't necessarily need an answer from you. It's just, um, just be there, you know, to just listen. And and and, and I always make sure that if they don't have the capacity to listen, then that's all good as well. Yeah. Um, but I know speak, being able to speak up is a privilege during those times as well. So um, yeah. Just just being mindful of everybody in this situation is something I encourage. Yeah. Yeah, and that's true. And I think that's important for you. That's a very important um, thing you've raised there because I know lots of young people um, go through anxiety or, an or anxious moments and they feel that they have to tell their best friend. But sometimes your best friend is not the person because you they might not have the right capacity. You've got to think about And uh, In those states, it's very hard to think about it. But sometimes just talking to someone that you don't, that's not your best friend, is also a good thing. That's right. And it's that neutral space, right? So if you find yeah. someone that doesn't necessarily understand your whole situation, uh, then it kind of helps with um, getting that sort of neutral advice you want to hear instead of biased. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly biased. Yeah. Biased, yeah. yeah. Is, and then they don't tell you what you necessarily want to hear. Not yeah, they're, they're saying. yeah, that's right. They're protecting yeah. you, right? They're, or they're feeling right. their feelings, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, I mean, we could go down this. this, this yes. Yeah, so. No, no, don't be sorry at all. This is amazing. It's fascinating. So let's let's go back. So here you're a young mom. You, you've got, you've going through a bit of depression there. Um, then what happened? So obviously we know that you didn't stay as you didn't stay crying on that on that on that roadside. You picked yourself up, off you went, did your thing. So what what was next for you? So you did that, and then so you worked at a rest home. Uh, so one thing during high school we did was uh, it was a bit of a struggle, obviously financially growing up. So we uh, I had a job uh, at fifteen, which kind of got me in trouble a bit. So beyond oh. the sport, the school, I was also working night shifts. And, oh wow. Uh, the rest home here down the road that my mum still at for the last 22 years because if it was I was either there it was either there or we had no money yep. to even send me on any trip uh which means I would turn up to school half asleep and and I don't and I, I am weary about saying it because I don't want my mum to look like a really bad person but at the time that's all we kind of could do you got to survive right you have to survive you've got to you've got to eat and you've got to pay the bills you know and that's important so um, yeah, from there, and then had the had my son, my first son, and then was still working at that rest home, and there was this virus going around. Um, this, <laughs> there's always a story behind my viruses, mind. yeah. It was like a um, oh, it's like a, a always the virus where you get other vomit from gastro, a gastro. Oh, sorry, I don't know how to say it. So <laughs> what do you call it? Like anyway, um, and so I was helping someone out, and then obviously I got mess all over me yeah. and my mom walking through the corridor she heard me like sort of scream and like start crying <laughs> she would open the door and see to be a dog like 
why are you crying and they said i can't believe i'm here like i'm only turning 19 and this is this is it you know yeah. i never you know you went from being celebrated by everyone for your talents to to being um Formatodon. yeah just all an important yeah. role yeah. And, you know no no um not begging anyone who does that and so she turned around and she's like why don't you go and study i was like i want to but we saw how they went with the nca like yeah. <laughs> you know she's like who cares and this is my mum. and i was like what yeah. do you mean i'm not smart and she's like don't have to be smart you can do whatever you want to do that oh, that's, that's awesome easy. yeah I thought, man, like, where's this energy all the time, mum? But no, <laughs> she's like, no, just do, go and go to school. Like every Pacific parent, I'm sure a lot of parents as well. You know, they want their kids to try, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, progress the situation. So I did. I waited till I was old enough and got adult entry, and that is why I talk awesome. about adult entry like it's better than UE. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, nothing's better than each other. But no, I I think adult entry was was my sort of the the saver set yeah. the token of for me to be able to just have another go at it yeah but before you did that you're doing some other cool things as well before you came to university you were involved in some other just me. yeah yeah let's go back to that yeah, yeah. yeah. I did, um was a part of a as well I, before uni did a lot of community work yeah um, immunization coordinator at the specific trust category yeah uh, i worked as a transitional um support person for education post earthquake so before uni i did actually have a lot of work experience in the yeah. public sector yeah. um, and uh, that was through the mission of education and then did quite a bit of advocacy for immigration yeah uh, yeah um overstayers so that's something i still do today um and so i think my whole life was about advocacy and about community because as a young mom you kind of Go to seek supports and government agencies and they don't often um provide what you need and i think yeah. that was the moment of like has to be better than this you know yeah, tough, yeah. and be kind and that's kind of how i um got into this realm of youth politics uh through um specific youth leadership and transformation council called pilot yeah uh, which is a civics group uh, who does quite a bit of lobbying so i'm a board of trustee member there oh fantastic uh, so those are the sort of things like yes you're right coming i forgot that message yeah, exactly huge that's a huge part of your life right there yeah because because you're taking from someone that's in a, in a rest home to someone coming to university and in between that and that you've done so much that that helped you grow and change your change yeah. the what change your pathway just a little bit or actually not change direct your pathway through the advocacy yeah yeah i think um that, and that's how i get people involved they're like how are you so committed and passionate and i always tell them like think of Think of one uh, policy or one um, sort of law legislation that annoyed you the most or was unjust, like didn't serve you or your family or yeah. wasn't um, had so much inaction that you couldn't even access that policy. That's how I get young people sort of. Yeah. And, and so for me, it was um, trying to seek mental health support. Yeah. Uh, old young mum. And that's, yeah. So that's. <laughs> what, what, what an awesome segue. So, you, you, so. So here you are, you're doing all this, all this awesome stuff here. What, what made you still want to come to university? Because you were doing some cool things there. You know, it's so easy to go, oh, I've, I found my niche. I'm doing some cool stuff here. What is your driver to still go to university? Um, to me, it's the whole academic aspect of um, academic, but also knowledge, right? So I want to be able to, to learn knowledge um, in a way that I get to decide how I put that into practice, right? Yeah. So I'm going to research it. Um, I'll see how I apply it and then from there 
um, you know, I will decide what what I do after that. And I find that quite powerful. Yeah. Um, and also it was my it was something for me. Totally. Yep. My outward energy was always for others, yeah. which is fine. Um, but uh, I'm not going to lie, shutting up some critics was also part of it as well. Um, <laughs> and if I could do it in my own way, I was going to go out there and do it. So that's why um, I was determined to do my undergrad in politics and move into an MBA, uh, which you can kind of see the trajectory, right? So yeah. politics, wanted to learn about business sustainability um, yep. and how white men think, to be honest, in the private sector is kind of what made me go down that way. Um, and then now going back to do a PhD, hopefully in politics. So that's, um, that's, that's really awesome. So, I mean, I mean, it does segue really right nicely back to what we started with, with Tane's comment about looking after yourself. You know, you were giving, you were giving so much to other people that the fact that you got to university was not just about you. Yeah. You were taking yeah. a break from giving to actually taking now for yourself, which is, which is awesome. But here's a question for you. Um, so you're from a Pacifica family. You you had your roots in Christchurch. You have you have your sons. You have your husband. Why did you choose to leave Christchurch and go to university elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what had happened was quite, it was quite circumstantial, to be honest. Um, yep. I never thought I'd leave Christchurch, but because uh, myself and kids' dad had done things at quite a young age, yes. everything else had to sort of go. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like you said, it wasn't this linear, like, you know, finish, do this, do this. No, it was quite messy and all over the place. So he got a job um, at the Forsyth Bar Stadium, uh, where his background is in building. Um, okay. and so we moved there four years ago and um, he knew that I wouldn't go. Sounds horrible, but he knew I wouldn't leave my family. Like I've Makes sense, yeah. So he got the job and then told me. Um, <laughs> And I was like, who does that? You know, he was like, oh, by the way, I've got a job. In... And I was like, cool, you got a new job. And he's like, in Dunedin. Yeah. Like, what is wrong to you? And, and that was the first year I worked in my first government job as oh, a supervisor wow. um, yeah. for people. So needed that. I, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was a bit of a, um, a clash. And yeah. it was a reminder that if there was any situation where we would, uh, as young married couple, we would clash, it'd be the career stuff because. Yeah he's trying to come up in his own way i'm trying to do that and then we're both trying to be parents totally yeah and so that was an interesting part of my life that definitely had a lot of emotions um a lot of back and forth between both our families yeah and so we made the move to go and i haven't i have said like oh, i'm glad we did but i would never tell him it was him. <laughs> <laughs> i think i just needed to be pushed out of my comfort zone because yeah. if not I would have stuck here um, with my mum and brothers, and it would have. Who knows what it could have been like if exactly. I stayed. Uh, but so, no, I'm glad we made it to Dunedin because I've never found myself as much um, as, as I have since being there, which yeah. is interesting um, for me. But I've definitely grown into my own, um, a lot more um, confident in, in who I am. But also, when I moved to Dunedin, I had some big major health concerns that mean I went overseas for surgery. So my life has been like, um, went to Mexico for a surgery, went to America for a surgery, oh, wow. came back down um, to Dunedin. So like, you know, there was a lot of things that happened uh, since moving to Dunedin. Mm. Uh, I just want to touch on something that, that you that you raised there, you know, um, when you came to Dunedin, you found yourself. Tony, let's bring you in here. You know, you've been, this is going to be your third year now. Um, 
How does that resonate with you coming to Dunedin and actually finding out who you are versus Tane at high school? Yeah, I think I totally agree with that statement because you're doing something for yourself, as we've talked about, and you're actually realizing what you believe in. You know, you've grown up with the people that support you. And as much as you hate to say, you know, your parents, your family, your friends are always going to support you, even if they don't necessarily agree with what you believe in. And so when you go down to a place, you know, or just move cities, it's a complete different lifestyle. And you learn that, you know, not everybody's going to agree with what you believe in and not everyone's going to be as passionate as the stuff that you're passionate about. And that's where you really start to learn, you know, what you should focus on and what might not need to be focused on, but also, you know, choosing your beliefs, choosing your passions and knowing, you know, what you truly are passionate about, because it's one thing to, be interested in something and think oh yeah this is cool but it's another thing to keep driven after a year after a couple of years to go you know I'm still passionate about this and that's not changing so sometimes passion takes time to find and you know things can change and you can try new things but it's a good way to just find yourself and really know what you believe yeah and I think I think um, what I can add to that is sometimes you just hide in comfort zone you hide in your family structure, you hide. When I say, I use the word hide, but it's, you're comfortable, so you don't, you, you're not able to express and grow in ways that you get challenged from when you actually move away from home, wherever, wherever you move to. Uh, 